Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Hi there. I hope everyone is doing well. This is Shorsha Dunbar from the Adventure Games Podcast. Uh, I am bringing you this episode because... As I'm sure many of you are aware, Beyond the Steel Sky is about to be released on PC. It's out now on Apple Arcade, but it's about to be released in a few days on PC. And Revolution were very kind enough to provide me with an early access version of the game. So I just wanted to talk about the game and my thoughts. Now, there'll be no spoilers, so this will be a non-spoiler review for the PC version of Beyond the Steel Sky. Uh, so before we get to the review, here is a trailer for the game. Union City. I've been away so long. Now I was back. The city looked different. Beautiful. Peaceful. Happy. I was hoping to meet you, Mr. Grundy. My dear husband is back. Is everyone feeling aspirational today? But I was on the trail of a child, brutally abducted from his village. Beware! Demons stalk the cat by night! What's happened, Foster? Where's my son? And nothing in this city was what it seemed. Luckily, I wasn't alone for long. Foster! What the hell kept you? Together, we tracked the missing kids. A trail that led to the true darkness at the heart of Union City. So, Revolution Software may be best known for the Broken Sword series, but before Broken Sword, Revolution released Beneath a Steel Sky, which is now available for free on GOG. This game would prove to be immensely popular, and since then, fans have been clamouring for a sequel. Now, 26 years later, a sequel has finally been released. So is this a welcome return to Union City? Or would we have been better off staying in the gap? Let's find out. So in this game, you play, once again, as Robert Foster, who is the hero of Beneath the Steel Sky. He is in the Gap, which is how the Australian Outback is known in this world, and he's out fishing in a lake with a young kid called Milo, and Milo's father. Suddenly, Milo gets more than he bargained for as a huge machine with legs appears from the lake. It knocks out both Foster and the father and kidnaps Milo. Foster promises his parents that he will do everything he can to bring Milo back, so he sets out on foot through the gap in search of Milo. The trail leads to the outskirts of Union City, the place where Foster himself was brought to 10 years ago after being kidnapped himself and where he barely escaped with his life. Now, however, in order to find Milo, he will have to do the unthinkable, find a way back into Union City. So the story grabbed my attention from the outset and never really let up. I was always motivated to find out more about why Milo was kidnapped and a few other subplots develop which also helped to keep the player engaged. 
The story kept my interest all the way through with some nice twists along the way. The characters are as entertaining and as larger than life as you would expect from a revolution game. And Udin City is also partly a character in this game. And what's refreshing about this game is that this isn't some dreary, depressing, post-apocalyptic dystopia. But actually, at first glance at least, this looks to be a utopia. Everyone seems happy and safe with all their needs taken care of. But throughout the game, let's say that some cracks begin to appear on the surface as you see that not everything is as it seems. The writing is of a particularly high standard. Much like their previous games, Beyond the Steel Sky combines a serious overall story with plenty of humour sprinkled throughout. Now, while the changes in tone in Beneath the Steel Sky from serious to comical were at times a little jarring, it is handled better in Beyond the Steel Sky, and the humour is considerably more restrained this time. So one of my favourite new characters is a poetry reciting droid called Tarquin, with plenty of other fun characters you meet along the way. Joey, the sassy droid from Beneath the Steel Sky, once again steals a game with his witty one-lighters when he appears later in the game. And that's not a spoiler, it appears in the trailer. But I won't say how or when he appears, but he does make an appearance. Now that said, the game also gets emotional in places. I'm happy to say that for me at least, the story worked for me throughout. One of the things this game does well is bring the player up to speed on current events as it very quickly and efficiently reminds us of the main things that happened in Beneath. It is done so naturally and will help ensure that it's not necessary to play the original game if the player doesn't have the time or the inclination to do so. Now indeed, while this game is a sequel, it doesn't rely on nostalgia or on the success or knowledge of the original game, and it stands perfectly well as a standalone game in its own right. I played this game on PC with a controller and I found them very intuitive and easy to, to use. So you move the camera with the right analog stick or with the mouse, and you move faster with the left analog stick or keyboard. Hotspots light up when you get near them, much like they did in Green Fandango. And while there is no hotspot finder like we find in other adventure games, I didn't have any issue with pixel hunting, although a few times I did have to maneuver the character and camera a little bit to be able to interact with the hotspots. Virtual Theater also makes a return in this game, which is basically where the characters, the NPCs, move around and carry out tasks on their own. This works well in this game and it helps ensure that the city feels alive and the NPCs feel natural rather than simply standing in one place like they do in most other adventure games. That said, a few times it can be a little bit difficult to interact with a character when they keep walking away from you, which can be a little bit frustrating at times. Now, that's it. It was also a joy to walk around this beautiful, vibrant city and I only wish we could have explored a little bit more. The puzzles can usually make or break an adventure game. More recent games have done away completely with traditional puzzles and only include, for example, choices as replacement for these traditional puzzles. Other games, in their attempt at creating challenging puzzles, they sometimes make them illogical and frustrating instead. Thankfully, in Beyond, the puzzles are logical and interesting and fit really well into the story. 
They are well thought out and never did I feel as if any were simply there as an arbitrary obstacle to prolong the game or impede progress. They fit naturally in the game and were quite fun to resolve. So you have the usual inventory objects, although there is no inventory combination, and it's usually only possible to select the correct option, which avoids time wasting, but it may spoil the challenge for some. You always have a clear objective in the game, so I was never wandering around aimlessly not knowing what to do or using everything on everything. The puzzles are mainly on the easy side, but some are a little trickier. Luckily, this game also includes an in-game hint system, which can be accessed in the menu screen, so it's never intrusive. The game will give you a vague hint at first to help point you in the right direction, with the hints getting more and more specific until it gives you the answer outright. Uh, however, experienced adventure game players probably won't need to use this as the puzzles on the whole are on the easy side. One of the most interesting types of puzzles in this game is the hacking puzzles. So several times in this game, you need to access your scanner, which will allow you to hack into nearby electronic objects. Sometimes you will need to hack into moving objects, so you will need to be quick. Again, these puzzles are usually quite simple and logical, but they are a lot of fun. It's also possible to hack into objects for fun, which I admit I did quite often during the game. This is also available on Apple Arcade, although if you are playing it on an Apple Arcade device, I would highly recommend playing with a controller and connecting to a TV if possible. Firstly, the controls may be awkward if you are using your fingers on an iPhone or an iPad, so a controller would be a definite plus. Also, in my opinion, this game deserves to be played on as big a screen as possible to really get the most out of the game. It's a little bit like watching a Marvel movie, for example, on a phone compared to the cinema. And for me, this game would be best enjoyed on as large a screen as possible. This takes us to the graphics. So Beneath the Steel Sky, as a lot of people know, was a traditional 2D pixel art point and click adventure. And it was certainly beautiful for its time and it stands up today. However, Beyond the Steel Sky is cel-shaded 3D direct control. While many adventure games have certainly suffered in the past in 3D, and while the graphics look very different in Beyond, for me they are absolutely stunning. The 3D in this game looks better than in Escape from Monkey Island, Gabriel Knight 3 and Simon Sorcerer 3D, and I would compare them more to the graphics in Dreamfall. In fact, the graphics also st serve the story well, as the colourful art style perfectly suits the perceived happiness of the people of the city. The backgrounds are also stunning. Several times I would stop and simply move the camera around to admire the view. There may be some uncanny valley with the characters and 2D does have a particular charm that is very difficult to achieve with 3D. But in this case, in my opinion, the 3D works and it makes the game feel a lot more cinematic and dynamic than it otherwise would have been. As with Beneath the Steel Sky, Dave Gibbons, most well known for the graphic novel The Watchmen, makes a welcome return to collaborate once again with Revolution. The intro cutscene is done as a graphic novel, and it's simply beautiful. You can definitely tell that a talented and experienced comic book artist 
such as Dave Gibbons, was involved. And while the rest of the cutscenes are done really well, it is a shame that we don't see a return to this graphic novel style of cutscene later on in the game. And the voice acting and music are also of a very high quality throughout. All the voices match the characters well, and while some voices may be a little bit exaggerated, this is in keeping with the larger-than-life characters themselves. There are also a variety of accents, such as American, Australian, English, Welsh and Irish. Now, for me, this helps to demonstrate how cosmopolitan Union City really is supposed to be. The voice actor for Robert Foster is different to the voice actor in Beneath, which at first was a little bit jarring, but I quickly got used to it. He also did a great job in this role, and other highlights are the voice actors for Joey and Mentor Alonso, who is able to demonstrate the subtle threats simply with, intonate, with the intonation of his voice. The music is done by an orchestra, and it certainly helps fit the scenes, and it's extremely pleasant to listen to throughout as well. Now, Revolution were kind enough to provide me with an early access, better version of this game for PC. And while the game was mostly stable, and it's certainly very playable, and I was able to finish it without any issues, but there are some bugs and glitches in the version that I played. That said, only once did I need to reload the game, as the other glitches were very minor. These consisted mainly of NPCs walking into you while you were in a conversation with another character, or characters walking through each other and through objects. These glitches, however, didn't detract at all from my enjoyment of the game. The developers, they are also aware of these glitches and have already added patches to fix some bugs in the Apple Arcade version. So I am very confident that they will work to fix these glitches for the full release or shortly thereafter. Now, overall, this game took me about 15 hours to complete, and it is a testament to this game's overall quality that even with the glitches in the beta version I played, I still absolutely love this game. Not only is this my favorite adventure game of the year so far, but it is one of my favorite adventure games of all time. It seems like the stars were perfectly aligned to give us this almost perfect combination of fantastic story and writing with, a clever, with clever, fun and logical puzzles, memorable characters, high quality voice acting, beautiful orchestral music and stunning backgrounds and art style. At its heart, it is a traditional adventure game, which takes what is best about old-school adventure games, such as story, exploration, and puzzles, and adds them to beyond in a way that modernizes the adventure game genre. And this also helps to ensure that this game can be enjoyed equally by old-school adventure game fans and newcomers alike. So this game will be out this coming Thursday, July 16th, and as I've just mentioned, I would highly, highly recommend it. So that is my review. Uh, very curious to know what people think. So when you do get the game and when you have finished it, when you're playing it, please let me know what you think of it. I would be very curious to know if people also like the game as much as I do or other things that you want the game to improve upon. Uh, we will be reviewing it with Thomas and Laura as soon as they get the chance to play it. 
Uh, but in the meantime, you can send me an email at info at adventuregamespodcast.com. Sorry, again, so at info at adventuregamespodcast.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter, on Discord, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, uh, because I would really genuinely want to know what people think about this game and whether you like it as much as I do. <laughs> um, so that is it for this special episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. And so this coming Friday, I will be speaking with Party for Introverts as they talk to me about their adventure games and their new adventure game, which has just uh, which just has a Steam page. And next Tuesday, I will also be releasing my interview with Steve Ince to continue the 30 years of revolution. And following Tuesday, I'll be interviewing Rolf Saxon, the voice of George Stobart. So keep an ear out for those interviews. So uh, that is it for this week. Until this coming Friday, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks for your support as always. So until then, take care. Goodbye. If you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a adventure game developer or a adventure game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you